Well, we've certainly talked about our feelings after the Predators were swept in the first round by the Colorado Avalanche. On today's Locked on Predators, we're going to talk numbers. I'm joined by our good friend Brian Bastin, who breaks down the stats and the dollars you need to know going into the offseason. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everyone. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I am usually joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan. Nick is on a much-deserved vacation this week. So today I am joined by our good friend, Brian Bastin, who is a co-worker at OnTheForeCheck.com. Brian is a stats man. He knows the numbers, and he knows how to break them down. So on today's episode. We talk about the stats that tell the story of this past season, and we look at some dollar signs that may make a difference in next season. I'm joined right now by my very good friend and yours, Brian Bastin. Brian is a writer and editor at OnTheForeCheck.com, works with Nick and I. He also is uh, a part of the Renegades of Puck. If you are not following Renegades of Puck and checking them out, you absolutely must do that too. Brian is here to talk all of the numbers. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Thank you once again for having me. I had a blast last time, so was really excited to come back. We always we always find a way to make this fun for sure. Okay, so I'm going to start out. One of the things that Nick and I do in the podcast is after a game, we always come up with our one word to describe the game. I'm going to put you on the spot and I'm going to ask you for your one word to describe the Predators season. Mm, okay, see, I see. Everything I've been thinking of is two words, but I'm going to try to get this down. <laughs> we, um, okay, there are no rules. You can have okay. two words. <laughs> All right. Med expectations. I would say met expectations just because um, I I, luckily I do have I'm on record of saying this before the season that if the Predators after everything that happened at the end of last offseason, all the changes that happened, losing franchise guys like Arvidsson, Ryan Ellis, guys Mm -hmm. like that, you know, this team was not really built to be a Stanley Cup contender. And as we saw throughout the season, they really weren't. Um, but you know, I did say that they should be happy if they can get to the first round of the playoffs because this was not a playoff team. And I don't really think that. You know, they talk about how they were underdogs and nobody picked them to finish, you know, into the playoffs. I mean, nobody did. We didn't really. No. And Mm-mm. and they did that. And obviously, people are very, very, very tired of how these seasons keep ending. But yeah, this was a, this was exactly what we probably should have expected. And that makes it harder to under, to figure out where to go next. So. Well, and it's been kind of a hard season to nail down, like emotionally, because Like you said, there were certain expectations laid out. I think we all kind of felt like, you know, we talk about those cursed words, competitive rebuild, Mm -hmm. you know, so expectations were set. And then all of a sudden, December, January, we're like, now check, you know, check this team out. All of a sudden they might be more than we thought. And then Mm -hmm. kind of the wheels sort of fell off at the end and certainly fell off in the playoffs in the sweep. So it's been an emotional roller coaster in a lot of ways, I think, for Nashville Predators fans. And and even now, I'm still trying to figure out where do we land on this season? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's 
it was a tricky one. This was a tricky one. Yeah, I mean, I understand completely the frustration of a lot of people. I mean, I felt it quite a bit throughout the season. Um, but I will say, like, it was... I think May said the same thing on TV. Like this has been one of the most fun seasons that I've watched just because yes. it was pure chaos a lot of the time. And we got <laughs> to see, you know, we finally, the Predators took however many years to finally have a 40 goal score and they get two, which is awesome. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. That Forsberg and uh, the other guy, who's that other guy again? I'm not sure if he's Whoa. A, hey, is he a household name in your house yet. Cause he should be Matt Duchesne, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but <laughs> my husband cringes and cowers at the sound of that name. Yeah, I think he did it just to spite him. But, you know, we got to see a lot of cool stuff. We saw Tanner Janot have a great season. We saw, you know, Ryan Johansson appear to look, you know, back in form, not quite where, yes. you know, people would want him. We saw Duchesne bounce back from an awful season. We got to see the field that we all hoped we would see. You know, there was a lot of cool stuff. We got to see how good UC Soros was. And, but there was just, it didn't seem sustainable. And, yeah. you know, Philip Forsberg shooting 18% throughout the season not sustainable and we saw yeah. that in the playoffs you know and yeah. so it's just one of those that it was a good style it was a fun style it was if you were one of those people that loves physical tough hockey and slowing it down two three goal games that you know this this was your team um yeah. but you know it was it was interesting just because i think N nashville only lost one game in i believe 32 which if they had a lead in the second period going into the third period i mean Gosh. they they held on to it like they only lost one time but on the other hand, they were three and twenty when they oh. entered the third. You know, when they when they entered the third trailing, and that kind of speaks to the style of this team. They used that physicality to slow the game down, and they were getting offense to where they could slow the game down. They could count on their guys to score two or three, maybe four goals. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, when that dried up, yeah, they stayed physical. Yeah, the defense tried to do their best to slow things down. But when you have you know UC Soros out and you don't have anybody providing any goal support for you know, Riddick, Ingram, whatever, even Soros, right. I'm not sure it would have been enough, you know, against Colorado. They may have stolen a game or two, but the team offensively just kind of shut down. So. Yeah, it was kind of, yeah. It, I always say the season felt like it ended with a whimper and mm -hmm. it was unexpected because of the way mid, the middle of the season was. So, right. and like you said, there were some really great numbers this season. Duchesne, Forsberg, Roman Yossi, 98 points. Mikhail mm -hmm. Granlin had a high um, in assists, you know, had a career high in assists. So there were some great numbers this season. Um, but there were some numbers that caused the Predator some trouble. And you talked a little bit about leads going into the third period and being in a deficit. And that was, that was really, I don't know. It makes me wonder if the style of hockey is not sustainable long-term, like how much of the, the kind of limp to the finish. Do you feel like any of that is chalked up to style of hockey, wearing people down, or do you just think that's a, a more of an emotional component of where the predators are? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a few things. Uh, one of the things when when Hines was hired, I talked to uh, CJ Totoro from uh, at the time he was at the uh, New Jersey SB Nation affiliate. Mm -hmm. And he had said one of their things was that he was going uh, Hines always had a emphasis on quality shot taking. And mm -hmm. we saw a little bit of that, you know, in his first couple of, you know, abbreviated years. But this season they were 28th in the NHL in shot quality, which is is fine. Because really, you know, we get we did see them take good shots, but their whole offense was built off of the, you know, the strategy is, is they were going to be physical, they were going to be hard. And instead of using 
a trans, you know, they're transition players to get things, you know, like being a rush team, which they absolutely mm-hmm. were not this season. They were a hard forechecking team. And we saw, you know, the herd line and we saw guys like Philip Forsberg being physical in the opposite end, getting turnovers. And they scored a ton of goals just off of turnovers, you know, playing hard on the forecheck, which is, you know, great in itself. But you have to have a constant stream of offense you can't you know your top two lines have to be players that can score for you that can set up other players that aren't noob cunning things like that you know and (laughs) yeah 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 i I really do think that the the style of this team could have worked um i think they they got that part down to a science really i mean there were signs of that against the, uh, the avalanche but the rest of the team wasn't built to be an offensive team like that outside of Forsberg and Duchesne and maybe Yossi, just because that's, you know, you've got a lot of young players. You've got a lot of guys. You're mm-hmm. not going to have a Nick Cousins scoring outburst. You're not going to, you know, we sh- <laughs> how much do we rely on, on a Philip Tomasino or an Ellie Tolvanen? Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, but the team just really wasn't built. But again, they're in a hard position because at the deadline, would you want to, you know, mortgage your future to get a, a, a guy to push you over the top do you want to sit and do nothing? They chose the set the second. And so there's a lot of what ifs, but there's some, there's yeah. some, there's some brightness to the future that they didn't overspend at the deadline. So. Yeah. Would you have, would you have wanted them to make some bigger moves at the deadline? Where do you well, land on that? Um, I think, I think maybe not throwing away a second round pick would have been great. Um, I can't, my heart won't let me say that they should have moved Philip Forsberg yet. Um, just because you yeah. know, it's it's tough and it makes me cry. Um, yeah. But I mean, there were things I think that they could have done to maybe set themselves up for this next season. And, and you know, they've got a lot of, of free agents coming up. They've got the biggest free agent with Philip Forsberg and they've got cap space, you know. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do. But, you know, it's going to be real interesting to see if David Poyle is going to be the guy pulling the trigger on this one more time or if it's going to be somebody else. Yeah. Where do you land on that? You think we're going to see Poyle next year in the front office? Yeah, I do. Yeah, just because I, I don't do think that they'll they'll want to. And honestly, if they don't, you know, will it be will it be you know somebody in the family that takes over? Mm-hmm. Probably. So, I don't know. It'll. I think it'll take a year, like a bad year, maybe next season for for mm-hmm. really everything to get over. But I can't imagine the ownership ownership group is that happy with things. Yeah, yeah. It was it was. Uh, and again, you go back to ex- this whole season is all about expectations. You know, mm-hmm. the expectation, competitive rebuild that sets a certain expectation, and then all of a sudden in December and January, this is a team that's producing. This is a team that's competing, mm-hmm. and then that just sort of vanished. There mm-hmm. was something that happened at the All Star break, and I don't know what sort of hockey voodoo occurred then, but that was just sort of the Predators peaked too early. So much of hockey, I think, is timing, and yeah. you know, they just they just didn't they didn't time it well. So give me a bad stat. We talked about the good stats. We have you know Duchesne, Forsberg, Yossi, Granlin. We have all these great stats. Give me a bad stat from this season. Let's let's break it down. Gosh, there's plenty. I talked did talk about the shot quality already. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I've I've said if you if you've followed me in, in any form or fashion online, you know how I feel about the p- amount of penalties that they took. Just utterly ridiculous. And again, the PK wasn't bad, about middle of the pack. The power mm-hmm. play, luckily, they still finished, I think, ninth for the regular season in the NHL, but it was a franchise best at 24%. So you know, it didn't seem like it. I, I, can, I really, if you'd asked me to guess their power play percentage this season, I would have said somewhere around 13, 14, um, yeah. you know, but they, they did that, but they just, they gave up more timing. Even if the, the penalty kill was, 
you know, let's say the penalty kill was at 90%, you know, just something mm. unreal. Ridiculous. Yeah. The amount of times that they were in the penalty box. I mean, it's not only that you're going to be shorthanded and you're going to have the team, you know, the, uh, the opponent have chances to, to score. It's you're taking away five on five time. You know, this is a team mm -hmm. that had, I think, one shorthanded goal this season. And it took until pretty far into the season for that to happen. They yes. weren't an aggressive power killing team. And, you know, again, they were spending, I think they averaged per 60 minutes, they averaged just over 10 minutes for every 60 minutes they played shorthanded. And you can't do that. You just really no. can't because, again, you're not just, you know, putting your defense in a bind, putting UC Soros in a bind, but you're taking your best, you know, your best players off the ice. Roman Yossi didn't play on the penalty kill this season, which was probably a decent, a decent, you know, decision, but you're taking your best player off the ice for those moments. And when you're doing it four to five times a game, yeah, you're putting yourself in a position to lose. Yep. This is a rough stat. Now, one thing that I always say, uh, there are no snacks in the sin bin. Mm -hmm. This, You know, I wish that one of these days they would learn this. Coming up, we're going to talk some other numbers that the Nashville Predators are going to be wrestling with when it comes to things like free agency. But speaking of snack, Brian, let me tell you a little something about our friends at Built Bar. They have this new product out. I just received mine the end of last week. They are called birthday cake puffs and they are as amazing as they sound i've never had anything like this before uh -huh. i've had several since i received them right so they are this built bar puff which is a protein infused marshmallow it is covered in white chocolate with sprinkles and it literally tastes like you are eating birthday cake mm. it is incredible and anybody can get these you can find them at built.com it's a new flavor if you haven't tried puffs, they also have uh, lots of other Built Bar flavors. I'm a huge fan. We, we are big Built Bar folks here. I love the double <laughs> chocolate. I love the Cherry Barcia is my favorite. Mm -hmm. You can have Built Bar puffs. You can have any of the regular Built Bars. And you are making a healthy choice that tastes great. Everything's covered in 100% real chocolate. So you feel like you are giving yourself a little treat, but actually you are making a healthy choice. They have 150 calories. 16 grams of protein, only nine grams of sugar. Wow. And that is a steal when you're looking for something to grab and go this summer. All Built Bar Puffs again, covered in 100% real chocolate. You can eat healthy. You can enjoy doing it. You can go to built.com right now. You've got to try these birthday cake puffs, everyone. Built.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15. You can get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Um, okay, so we've got lots of other numbers coming up for the Nashville Predators that we're going to have to discuss. And I think the big dollar sign number that we're going to be talking about is, of course, Philip. Forsberg. Mm -hmm. This is a tough one. Again, you go back and you mentioned this earlier. They didn't trade Forsberg at the trade deadline. We are still sort of hovering in that. How bad of a move was that? Right. What's going to happen? Talk to me about where you think market value numbers are for Philip Forsberg right now. Yeah, uh, I remember during, I think, preseason when when all this talk started up, I think they had talked about pointing at Gabe Landeskog's uh, contract uh, as far as that being a benchmark, which let me pull that mm -hmm. up because I want to make sure I get this right. But mm -hmm. um, they talked about his contract and that being kind of a benchmark for it. And I think he's got, yeah, he had a seven. Yeah, he had a seven by eight. And that, you know, obviously we know that the Predators probably don't want to give out 
eight. They probably don't want to give out no trade clause. I think the first time yeah. that Poyle's given out one has been Roman Yossi. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, you have to sit there and think, you know, Philip Forsberg had a career season. Um, it was highlighted by exceptionally high shooting percentage, which is not just luck. You know, it, there is a little bit yeah. of luck involved, but, you know, obviously his finishing skill was was much, much better. But we've also got a guy who's who's 27 years old, who's been making six million dollars for a while. I mean, which is, uh, you know, that was a number about what Ellis got on his new contract. And I, you know, you can't you know, they're not going to be able to get him for six million. So yeah. the question yeah. I think is, is if they're willing to give him eight, eight point five for a shorter term. And if he accepts that, that I think that's good for both teams, because, again, a four year deal, he'll be 31. Give him seven years. He'll be 34, which for for the NHL is old for us. I was just still gonna a spring, say, be, still a spring chicken, right? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, be very careful what you say after thirty-four yeah. years old. <laughs> yeah, I bet you. But imagine how good that mustache will look in four or five years, right? Okay, that one I cannot argue with you about. Absolutely, yeah. a little like, gray in that. Get a little silver fox oh, action. He's good gonna stuff. rock that. He's gonna age very well. Philip Forsberg is gonna age very well. Yes, he will. Uh, we we just gotta hope it's aging 34. here. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, and, where do you land on that? I mean, how? Do, what is your gut telling you about Philip Forsberg and the Nashville Predators? And I know this is a tough. I mean, this is it's just tough, a yeah. tough call. I mean, honestly, I think if you take what Forsberg has said about you know he wants he wants to stay here, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to say that they get something done and they get something done that is is reasonable. They're they're in a decent spot. Yes, they still have they've got these contracts now. They're getting you know, Duchesne and Johansson are over you know eight million a piece. Uh, right. Forsberg was making six Roman making a little over 9 million, but I mean, other than that, you know, David Riddick, he'll be a free agent. So he'll be out. Yar- Soros is only making 5 million. And of course they've got $2 million in dead cap space with Kyle Turris, you know, rest in peace, but I love uh, Kyle Turris and, but yeah, that's $2 million. Yes. Love Kyle but, Turris. but, you know, looking at what, what free agency. So if, you know, you take all the possible free agencies off the uh, uh, free agents off the board for next season, they, they're sitting at about 25, to, almost $26 million in cap space. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad idea that they give, they would give Forsberg a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. if there's a compromise on either the total cost or the term. Um, but I think David Poyle knows that if he does not get Phillips Forsberg re-signed, that that might be it for him, you know? And so yeah. I think for better or for worse, I, I'm going to lean towards him coming back. How will it affect the team? You know, I don't know, but you know, with their composition, what they do, but I think if they do, whether or not they sign him or not, I think that's still pointing towards, they've got to do something a little bit different. They need to start bringing up younger talent. I wouldn't be surprised if they signed Forsberg and then find a way to get rid of, you know, a guy like Ryan Johansson, unfortunately, just because that's yeah. money they can get rid of. They got very, they were very lucky, uh, not for for Ryan, but you know, with the Ellis trade, uh, you know that he didn't he didn't pl- play, wasn't that bad? You know, how many times did you hear Preds fans talk about Victor Arvidsson not being here? Not a ton. Yeah. You know, he was no. hurt, but <laughs> but I mean, we, we heard a whole lot more about Ryan Hartman and Freddie Goudreau and Kevin Fiala. Most of that was me. <laughs> yeah, but you know, again, I, I don't take, blame you. Yeah, I wouldn't like. I still don't blame. I still like the trade for Fiala for Gran- Grandland. Yeah, he's not. Yes. You know, Grandland's not giving you thirty goals or you know thirty plus goals like Fiala did this season. But he hit his cap here, and so I think it was best for both teams. And I think Grandland fits you know the Predators and what they do perfectly. So yeah, I think he yeah. gets done. I think he gets done though, and I think Forsberg's back. I hope so. It seems like he it really wants to be here. I think it's very obvious that the team 
had something special this year, mm-hmm. had, um, th- I think they want to keep that together, even if they're going to add, you know, some younger pieces, bring up some guys, maybe switch a few things around. But I think that core really wants to stay together. And when it comes to something like Fiala and Granlund, I always go back to, you know, you look at this season and I'm a huge Mikhail Granlund fan, mm-hmm. but I feel like you have to credit him with some of the success that Duchesne and Forsberg had because those three have such a, um, like a symbiotic relationship Mm -hmm. to quote some, one of the star Wars movies, but you know, they have this symbiotic relationship where they really make each other better. And, you know, just, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the Granlin thing. And, you know, I'll say my piece. I would like to see Forsberg come back. I will tell you, I wake up every day and there's a part of me that's like, please let this be the day. Let yeah. this be the day they announce something. Yeah. Um, we'll see. It would be hard, I think, to see Ryan Johansson go, but I agree with you. I think if anybody, if they're going to clear some space, it's probably going to be Joey. Mm-hmm. And he had a season where I think they could move him better than they could. Right you know, previously. So that makes a difference. Um, let's talk about a couple other uh, UFAs. Uh, yeah. And, you know, one I'm, I would love to get your viewpoint on, Nick Cousins. What you going to do with Nick Cousins? I mean, so his his current deal is at 1.5 million. He's 28 years old. So I don't see them offering him more than two or three years, maybe four. But I mean, they used him as a Colton Sissons type. He was mm-hmm. pretty effective at what he did. He wasn't that great on offense, but he was great yeah. on that forecheck. And I think he's a guy, he's a Heinz guy for better or worse. And and again, I I was pleasantly surprised by his play this season. You know, I don't think that he will, whatever they sign him for, I don't think he's going to command over two and a half million. And I think that's acceptable yeah. to me. So I think yeah. he comes back. Who do you see going one way uh, or the other. Let's talk. I mean, one way or the other, whether, you know, unrestricted free agent, who do you see going and do you see them bringing up some uh, more Milwaukee? How much of a rebuild are we going to see? Well, you know, I think, you know, they've got a lot of free agents coming up, but we've talked about Forsberg. We talked about Cousins. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. got the guys like Matt Benning and Ben Harper. I don't think Ben Harper comes back. Uh, Matt Benning, Bless. possibly, but he'll be veteran minimum. You know, he was mm-hmm. making just a million this season and it wasn't a bad, a bad deal for, you know, yeah. what he was, uh, he wasn't great, but he was a th- no, third pairing defenseman rarely are. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see, you know, some guys that they, they have either, you know, there's Yakov Trenin and we all know how we all feel about Yakov Trenin, but yes. he's arbitration eligible, eligible. I think he's made a solid case being like one of the only goal scorers in the entire playoffs. You know, he's going to make <laughs> a little bit more than $725,000 next year. And I'm pretty yeah. certain it's going to be in gold. The other interesting arbitration case, though, is our old friend, uh, Luke Cunnan, who is a restricted okay. free agent. And I guarantee you they'll go to uh, to arbitration because I don't see the Predators offering him more than, you know, he was making, what, uh, $2.3 million. I don't see them get offering him that again. They seem to love him, the only 86-game starter on the entire team this year. And, but, you know... I think they're going to offer him something. And if he takes it to arbitration, you know, this is one of those cases where I don't know that the player is going to win if they go to arbitration and that number may go down. So they may give him the qualifying offer. Um, I'd have to look and see what what the qualifying offer for him would be. But um, I, I I just don't know that he, if they really feel that he's this integral piece and they want to continue developing him just because he was part of a trade, 
maybe, but I just don't see. Mm-hmm. You can say it. I don't see. I don't see reason why. I really don't. Yeah. I, you know, you look at a guy like Cody Glass in the HL. Yes. Yeah, he's had some starts. He's taking some time. He's 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 a great player. He's younger. He's got some bumps. Or whatever. But what what is it that Luke Cunning did that Cody Glass couldn't do? That Philip Tomasino couldn't do? Even Ellie Tolvanen, you know, that really mm-hmm. couldn't do. He was he was a hard hitter. He was physical. He was pretty good at separating players from the puck, but. I mean, he was, you know, you look at advanced stat like goals above replacement. He was last mm-hmm. on the team. Last. Really? He was worse than he was worse than Ben Harper. He was worse than Jeremy Lazan. He was worse than Benning and Borvietsky. I mean, and you can't, you know, depending on how much stock you want to put in those type of stats, I mean, that that's one thing, but the eye test, I mean, it's not like this was a thing where the people on Twitter are like, you don't watch the games, he's playing a great, a great style. I mean, <laughs> I think it was a pretty universal opinion yes. about his the play his play. And so I don't know. I think maybe they played him as much as they did this season as an extended audition to come back. Mm-hmm. I think they do. You know, they'll give him the qualifying offer just because they almost they kind of have to to save face. But if he's coming back, it's going to be for much cheaper than two point three million, I think. Yeah, this is that's going to be an interesting one to watch. It will be an interesting thing too to watch Predators hockey Twitter and Facebook react to whatever <laughs> happens with Luke Cunning because there were big feelings about Luke Cunning this season. Mm-hmm big feelings he was big bad so (laughs) (laughs) so when we come back we're going to talk some more numbers with brian baston he has all the numbers we need to know but first want to let you know that our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information you can find all the latest odds news and sports developments including this year's basketball playoffs major league baseball scores fights and even next season's nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online where the game starts all right brian let's uh finish up here any other th- free agency thoughts that you want to share with us. David Riddick, obviously, I think we can agree that he's probably not going to be back. I think we're going to see Connor Ingram, which I think everybody here in Nashville is on board with bringing up Connor Ingram. And I think there is, um, you know, he has earned himself a lot of goodwill in the Mm -hmm. Predators community for sure during, you know, with his performance a couple times in the season and during the playoffs. And I think, you know, there will be some growing pains, you know, as he does that. But do you expect to see more Ingram next season than we saw uh, Riddick this past season? Where do you think that's going to fall? I sure do hope so. Um, Yeah. But I think, I think we will see some of that too, because, you know, with Riddick, they had him as a backup, a veteran backup to be there in case of emergency. He was a break glass in case of emergency type of goaltender. When right. you got a guy like Connor Ingram, we saw the split for Soros and, and Rene, you know, slowly start to step up every single year, you know, coming up to a couple years ago. And I think we'll see a little bit more than that because I mean, there's no whether or not his injury at the end of the season, you know, Soros's injury was related to overwork or not. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's it was just you can't you can't put that much strain. And really, honestly, you can't put a goalie to face that many shots, you know, in that type of a game, the physical type of game and expect them to stay stay very good for the whole season. And so yeah. I think we see a whole lot more of Ingram and I think it'll be a good thing. We'll get to get to see another, you know, 
develop a play a great goalie and develop another great goalie because and ingram has to he has to develop next year he's got to showcase himself because the the, the russian is in milwaukee now and breathing down his neck so we'll have oh, to see this is Yes. I mean, people, I think, are about giddy that Askarov has made it into the United States and into Milwaukee. So it's going to be really interesting to keep our eye on Milwaukee as well next season. Mm -hmm. uh, and this season, they're That's moving right. on. Let's they talk are. about that for a second. Let's go, Milwaukee. Yes, they had a, a, a very exciting season. They uh, played the Manitoba Moose, which is the Winnipeg Jets affiliate. Um, they did win the first two games, actually, ironically, without Connor Ingram and Cody Glass, since they were with nashville wasting their time uh sorry <laughs> but uh you're but, not uh, wrong <laughs> yeah but so they won those two in milwaukee and then they went to manitoba for the final three games and ingram in his first two starts gave up seven goals and five goals in those two and you know it, it showed a lot of confidence in coach carl taylor to say we want ingram back out there and he showed up big i mean they they took an early lead um, you know, they tie the moose tied it in the second, but about two minutes later, the Milwaukee scored again. Tommy Novak, shout out there. Hope Come to see on. him. In, I hope to see yes. him in gold a little bit more. And of course, we had the first goal from Yuso Parsonen, which we love Yuso around here as well. It's been exciting yes. to watch him. He is a dynamic puck handler. He's he's got the strength, he's got great vision and skating. He's gonna be somebody if you haven't been paying attention to Eric on the future OTF on Twitter, mm -hmm. he's been gushing about this kid and for good reason. But it's, it's it's been really great to watch. You see guys like Cody Glass, you see guys like Igor Afanasyev, um, you know, players like that, Tommy Novak, uh, Cole Smith, yes. guys that are really, you know, we thought they're fourth line guys. We didn't see, we saw seven minutes, eight minutes of them in, in the NHL, and they've really carved out a great niche for themselves in, in, in Milwaukee. They they go to Chicago against the Wolves, and the Wolves are absolutely loaded, and it's going to take, yeah. Ingram's going to have to stand on his head to, to be able to steal that. But they won their first uh, playoff series in 11 years to, you know they wow. were robbed they were robbed uh last year i believe when they did not play they and then the year before they had the best regular season record and before yes. the playoffs were canceled and so you know they they really bounced back because they were kind of down and out for the first half of the season so it's been really exciting to watch them to cover them um it's been really exciting to actually do a little bit of of, of journalism and, and digging to get some information <laughs> uh yep. and, and making contacts there you know uh, it's I, I get to talk to to really cool people up there uh aaron sims the announcer best and one of the best announcers for minor league hockey he, i think i've ever incredible heard. I incredible love yes and so hands it's, down it, it's really great hopefully i'd like to get up there for a few games next season and so yeah they, they look great but it's been nice it's been interesting to see how they develop because they're really you know they're really preparing these guys to come up there i mean look at the the seasons that that tomasino and tolvanen and tanner janeau yes. and alexander carrier i mean i mean if i speaking of speaking of our sponsor with bet you know betting you know, who would you bet was the best performing rookie on the team this season in Nashville, um, you know, in terms of like the advanced metrics, uh, goals above replacement? Mm -hmm. Who do you think, who would you bet the best rookie was this season? Uh, everybody would say Tanner Janot. He was very good. He did finish. He was the, very good. Yeah. He was very good. He finished uh, 18th for all rookies, which is great. Mm -hmm. But sitting at seventh and eighth was Philip Tomasino and Alexander Carrier. And I mean, Philip wow. Tomasino, he, he he was producing incredible, incredibly for his, you know, for where he was playing up and down the lineup, you know, on offense. He actually had a little bit better of an even strength defensive score than Alexander Carrier. But I mean, these guys were seventh and eighth. I mean, these are guys that are above Arthur Kaliev and Trevor Zegras, Lucas Raymond and overall. I mean, wow. they did something good. And I, I have to admit, I have been a doubter of Alexander Carrier since I started covering the Predators. I did not think his skills could could translate to the NHL. I thought you know, um, Freddie Allard was going to be the future for, for Nashville. Yep. And obviously he's gone, but because again, I love guys named Freddie and then they take them away <laughs> from me. 
but I mean, he, you know, Alexander Carrier had the, you know, overall defensive, you know, metric. Alex Carrier was the best, you know, best rookie in de in defense, and Tomasino was second. And this is, you know, a That's forward. That's incredible. And but these are guys that are doing what they're supposed to do. And again, I'd like to also talk about, you know, Ellie Tolvanen. He was he was benched. He was taken out of games. He was done that. He had a tremendous season. He came into the league. Everybody said he's just a hard shot. That's all he is. Yeah. I think he's proven that he's not just a hard shot. Granted, that hard shot was missing a lot of the time this season, but he's been doing everything else so well. And, you know, hopefully other teams, you know, don't pay attention as much and, you know, say, well, he didn't have that many goals. Nashville may try to move him since apparently he was a part of every proposed trade package for Nashville is to move him, which I don't think they should. No. But that's also another thing that, that that it would be an option because again, maybe they maybe they waited a little bit too long on that. But I think they should definitely give him another chance because again, like like John Hines says, if he's doing everything else on the ice right, the goals will come. Why he got benched towards the end of the season, I don't know. Still still have no idea because Hines never gives you a straight answer on those things. But you know he did he did great, and so there's a lot to look forward to as far as these rookies, these young players. You know, again, Cody Glass could come in; he would be great. Um, there's just Jeremy Davies, I think, can come up, and he, you mm -hmm. know, a Dave a Jeremy Davies in the third pair, I think, would be a good a good move. And so, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. They just have to handle this right because they've got some fo they've got forwards, they've got defensemen that are developing well, and Nashville's not known for developing forwards. I mean, they just, they just aren't all these, every, all these players on the team, all the forwards that broke these records, they weren't Nashville draft picks, Yeah, you know? And so yeah. it's, it's, it, you got to hold on to the ones they're doing a good job with. Carl Taylor's doing a good job with them in Milwaukee or wherever junior leagues that these guys are playing and, and they got to stick with these guys. They can't give up on them this easy. Well, and Ellie Tolvanen is one that I really would like to see the Predators hang on to. And I also won't be terribly surprised if they don't. And what frustrates me is I can see Ellie Tolvanen very much turning into a tale similar to Kevin Fiala, you mm -hmm. know, where he's going to land somewhere and blossom. And I think the Predators are going to, you know, if they get rid of him, they've given up on him too soon you know yeah. he does so many other things right and you can't just look at goals as your stat for how did ellie tolvanen do you just preaching to the choir and you're preaching to the <laughs> choir but i mean but but the funny thing is is yeah like this is this is me you know i'm giving i have the numbers support the fact that he's doing everything else on the ice extremely mm -hmm. well i mean he's a good defensive forward he's a great two he's, yes. he's fantastic on the forecheck you saw him throwing hits all the time this season but you would think, you know, this is this is exactly where you would see a coach being like, he's doing great. He's doing everything he's supposed to. Don't worry about the goals. But then we saw him benched and we saw him not playing yeah. and stuff. And and so it's kind of like, all right, I don't think he's in the same spot because, I, you know, Kevin Fiala, I think he did all the developing he could do in Nashville. You know, I think, mm -hmm. he, you know, I've, I've said many times, I love the way he plays. He's he's a technical. I mean, there's very few players that are as technically sound as him, but he has that tendency to want to play like Philip Forsberg a lot. He wanted, you yes. know, he, there was nobody better in the NHL besides maybe Roman Yossi and a couple other guys better at getting the puck, carrying the puck into the offensive zone, but he's not Philip Forsberg because Forsberg's got that combination of technique and power. And so he tried to power through a guy that just get him to the boards and it'd be yeah. a turnover every time. And that, you know, it's just, and he was under LaViolette, so he wasn't going to get any better. <laughs> And I think it's good. Tolvin has still got room to grow. That shot's going to come back. Yes. Like it's not, yes. he doesn't just lose that. You know, you, Again, if you use him like Ovechkin and just and just let him shoot on the power play, let him play his game at five on five, but let him be that point guy or that guy who takes those shots. If they could finally start moving on the power play instead of standing there, you know, completely still, he'd be really dangerous. And so they, I really, 
it, it wouldn't surprise me if they moved on from him, but I'd be really, really upset about it. Yeah, that would be a real disappointing move. And I agree with you. It just, it's sort of vague where the disconnect with him is because it feels like he is somebody who does fit into the system. The mm -hmm. things that he is doing well that may not show up on the main stats page are things that work well in the system that John Hines wants. And so there is a little bit of a disconnect trying to piece together what happened with Ellie Tolvanen this season. And, and, you know, I really hope we have a chance to see him next season here in Nashville, because I think this is a young player who has a ton of potential. And once that shot comes back and clicks, he is going to be a 200 foot threat on the ice for the predators or whoever, heaven help us yeah on the other hand though maybe i understand why the coaches benched him because he had a minus seven plus minus this season so okay, we know that's the minute. best stat we know that's the best stat out there oh my gosh plus minus the hoax of plus minus it's uh -huh. like you want me to cry <laughs> yeah it's it's something right i mean i mean hey you uh, you know uh dante fabro plus 13 that means he's good michael mccarron plus 10 that means he's got to be a good a great forward right right because he happened Excellent. to be on the ice when things happened. Oh my gosh, plus minus. Literally, it still enrages me. It's still every time I hear somebody use that as as like justification for something, I'm like, that's not even real. And I really apologize for teaching for putting that instilling that in you that it's that bad. I really I, I put that in you and I apologize, but it is it a really crappy stat. It shook me to my core. I'm not yeah. going to lie, Brian. It shook me to my core. All right, Brian, thank you for joining us. Before we go, I want you to tell everybody where can they find you and your work online? Oh, yeah, thank you. Of course, you can find me and Ann and Nick and, of course, everybody else uh, at onthefourcheck.com. Um, you can see me at games. Well, once we have games again um, at Bridgeton Arena, as, as Sean Smith and I cover those games live uh, as credential journalists, which I think is still very, very cool. And, of course, you can see me um, with the Renegades of Puck. Uh, we've, we've been doing game, uh, videos after every single game mm -hmm. this season, and now we're doing it with the Milwaukee Admirals. Um, yes. So you can that. And then, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Brian Baston, B-R-Y-A-N-B-A-S-T-I-N hear whatever it is whatever inane topics i'm talking about but usually hockey and uh yeah that's that's you know and if you see me out in the world or you see me at a game next season please 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 stop by some of the coolest games experiences i've had this season where people stopping by to say hi meeting some people so please please do it's it's one of my favorite things in the world once again i want to thank brian for joining us here at locked on predators if you aren't following brian at onthefourcheck.com or on twitter make sure you give him a follow and if you have a stats question about the predators season or maybe some free agency questions be sure to give him a shout out on twitter and he'll get back with you Coming up tomorrow on Locked on Predators, we're going to take a closer look at those NHL end of season awards. The Predators have several nominees in a couple of different categories. We're going to talk to some people about the competition and how likely are the Predators to bring home some hardware to Bridgestone Arena. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.